0: There are so many real estate teams out there. How do you select one to join? We're gonna discuss that today. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast Made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer John Leahy from Washington D.C. Before we get to John, just a couple of quick reminders for everyone listening right now. Please tell a friend about the show. That's how we grow. It's how we reach more uh, more listeners, and we can do more episodes when we hit more listeners. So tell someone else in your office who wants to learn from producers about keeping it real. And also please leave us a review if you're listening on Apple um, Podcasts or maybe Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, wherever. Let us know what you think of the show. We read all the reviews and comments and that's how we continue to improve. Hope everyone is having an amazing summer and you know what? You've heard enough of me. Let's get right to it. My interview with John Leahy. Today on the show we have Don Lakey. Fine Living Group with EXP in the DC metro area. Let me tell you more about John. John Leahy is a best-selling author, an experienced speaker, and the founder of the Fine Living Group at EXP. He was born in Indonesia, but John moved to the US as a child in 1990 and was inspired by his parents' strong work ethic to achieve home ownership. He earned his uh, BA in Information Systems and Management from the University of Maryland. He launched his real estate company in 2000 and is a certified proctor coach who mentors every single member of his team. Since choosing to focus on real estate, John has consistently finished in the top 1% in the nation as a realtor selling over 200 homes per year. John's network has grown rapidly, growing from approximately 20 realtors to 60 realtors in just a year. And before I, I actually bring John on, Going from 20 realtors to 60, what I do all day is, is uh recruit realtors. That is an incredible feat. So John is is amazing. We're so happy to have him. Please visit John at his website, which is the, uh, the Leahy Lahey Group, L-A-H-E-Y, the the Leahy Group.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here, DJ. So grateful to have you. Um I first, you're in one of my favorite cities. Oh, well, I think most people love uh, love the uh, the D.C. area, and not just the city is so cool. The surrounding areas. I know you guys sort of tackle all of it. And um, do you, do you end up just had a quick question? Because I know I have friends that are attorneys in in that area, and they oftentimes have to take the bar in different states because, of mm-hmm. course, you border a uh, border. A few of them is the same. Does the same thing happen for for real estate where you
1: have to get licensed in each state? So I just laugh because not because of that, but it's we, we're known as like the area with the most uh, lawyers, yeah. <laughs> the D- yeah. area most attorneys. Um, so, yeah, in real estate here, I have to get my license in Maryland, a D.C. license, a Virginia license. And the best part is the continuing education oh, sure. continuing education for all three. And only a few of the classes like overlap. So most of the time. Uh. I- what is the classes I will have to take like the actual classes um, every time and the renewals the different years. Uh, so something I don't look forward to is the renewal. And it, is process.
0: it is it three different MLSs as well or is it thank one? Goodness,
1: only one MLS.
0: Oh, thank goodness.
1: One MLS. Well, anyway. Ever-
0: I was just curious I know that that's not the reason why you're here, uh, but I did want to I was curious because of course DC is such a complicated area, and they probably should just make it its own state but we can that's another conversation <laughs> for another time, um, but I would love to talk to you, you have done so much um, since uh, since since you started in real estate, but you started out as an IT guy. So I like the I, I'm so always love some how people transition into real estate. You know, you, you were you originally when you were at University of Maryland was the thought to become a developer or to work in the tech space, or were you always thinking real estate? So the funny thing
1: is, real estate was never you know in my mind. I remember um, it was like four or five years after I graduated high school, I came back to my high school for my sister's graduation, and I met. My close friend, my like one of my best friends from high school, and he had uh, became a realtor. And I looked at him I'm like, "What's wrong with you? Like, why would you give up like your your engineer? He was an engineer. I'm like, What did you give up your engineering degree to become a realtor? I'm like, That makes no sense. Like, I I trashed the guy. Right? Two years later, I was licensed. <laughs> like, I never had any plans of of becoming a realtor. Um, You know, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's by accident. I believe it was my destiny, Uh, but it was never planned. It was never planned. I, I worked as an, I, I work in an IT company and my job was to train, uh, like all these end users around the world. So I was working overnight, overnight shifts with my clients in Germany, my clients in Hong Kong. And I was just, I was available on their hours. And then during the day here, I would show houses, um, that's how, that's how I was juggling between the IT world and then the real estate world. And then just, and I was, I just, I looked at my numbers a couple of days ago. And the funny thing is my first four years in real estate, I sold a total of 11 homes. So I had no business, like even surviving in real estate because four years I sold 11 homes. Um, and then on my fifth year, I decided to go full-time and do real estate, which if you think about it, it's crazy because there's that no is that I, um, is crazy based on the previous four years. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking, but something inside me was like, hey, you should go full time into real estate. And and so I did. And thank goodness I have a family who supported that idea and, and didn't call me crazy or stupid or dumb. And my wife's like, you know what? If you believe that, if you believe it's time to go in real estate, I'll support you. And my first yeah. year in full full time in real estate. I sold 11 homes and like, 11 is like the number apparently, you know? And, um, and then from there, and by, it's and like- by the
0: way, that's not <laughs> a bad number for a first year in real estate. It's, it doesn't maybe feel good from a bank account perspective, but that's not an, unco- and again, I know you had been doing it for several years, part-time b- before, but really it's not a terrible first year,
1: but it's a, it's, it's not an easy first year. It's not an easy first year. And I thought, you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have probably thought the same thing. We, we, I'm like, I just need one of those like million dollar sales. And this will be an amazing year. And that million dollar sale never happened. And I'm just like, I just need one more deal, one more deal. It was, it was like an up and down every two, three months. There's no deals, right? And um, yeah. it was a hard first year full time in real estate for me, but hey, I survived. And that's where I am today, you know. That's why I'm here. So what
0: do you think made the difference? Um, you know, having look, you had a great job. You you were, well, you were really doing two jobs, but but you had a great career in, in the tech space, you know, and and certainly that was your your training was was to stay, you know, stay in that world. Then you decided to dabble in real estate, you know, on in your in your off hours, which you really didn't have many. And then you said, I want to try this full time. Um the first year, you know, 11 deals, pretty good first year, not a fun, maybe not a fun first year, but, but, you know, numbers wise, not terrible, Um, but not, not enough to really, you know, maybe replace the income, uh, maybe even right. from that, uh, from the other job. Um, So, so when you got past that first year, w- was there anything, what kept you motivated? You know, did you just see that this is going to get easier and better? Or was it like, I'm just, did you try different things? I'm just curious what made the difference for you?
1: I, I always believed that failure was not an option. You know, I learned early on that once you made a decision, burn the boat so you can't go backwards. Yeah. So I, I'm like, all right, well, there's no going back. I'm just going to have to make this work somehow. After that first year, I met a mentor. And I can tell you right now, you know, anybody who's listening today, if you want to go to the next level, find somebody who's already doing and accomplish what you really want to do and just find that person and hang around that person and pick up the clues, the success leaves clues, right? Yeah. Figure out how they think, figure out what they're doing, and just copy it. And so that's what I did. My uh, my first year, I sold 11 homes. First, first year full-time, I barely survived. My second year, I met a mentor. And then I just spent all my time just learning from this person. Actually, I met a couple of mentors. And so I was, I was very fortunate to have met multiple mentors. and um, And that really made the difference in that my second year, my third year... I went from selling 11 homes to 22 homes to 44 homes. And then it's just, that's the rest, you know, that's, that's, that's the history is I just kept on doubling my production, but the doubling of the production, it got acceleration in that process because I met somebody who's already accomplished it. And all I did was just like, all right, let me just copy what you're doing. Let me just copy how you think. Let me just copy how you troubleshoot things, you know? Um, coming from a, an information systems background, the way my brain works is always like that. You know, if the systems follow the pro- if systems follow the outcomes predictable, because that's the that's that's the that's the systems processes, right? Um, so with that mindset, I'm like, all right, if I just follow their process, my outcome should be the same. And so I just <laughs> start doing that
0: makes all the sense in the world. And it reminds me of that story of Roger Bannister, who I, I think it was Roger Bannister, who who run the, ran the first four-minute mile, four mile.
1: Yeah.
0: So uh, just not that I'm going to go through a whole story, but m- my understanding is whatever year that was, I want to say it was in the 70s, but I could be wrong. But whatever year it was that he, he did that, nobody had done it prior. And then literally that next year, because he had Done it, and he talked about success. Success leaving clues, um, and I'm not sure that people necessarily knew what his regimen was. But just also even knowing that it's possible, which is right. essentially what having a men- your mentor was like. Oh, you did 11 homes. I did 75 or 100 or 200, um, and you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, it is possible. So, and then you got to actually watch what that uh, that mentor did, and and you know, and you're so right. Success leaves. Clues, and it probably saved you countless years. I would think of trial and error because you already
1: had somebody who had been through the the war. Exactly. I don't have. I didn't have to recreate the wheel, and I didn't have to go through all the failures. I mean, I failed a lot too. You know, that's the other reason sure. why I was successful. I, I don't mind trying. Yeah. Other people are telling me, hey, don't do that. Don't do that's not going to work. And I'm like, well, how would I know it's not going to work if I don't try it? So I'm like, let's try. And so I I realized that the more successful the the person is, if what they don't tell you is all the failures that they have along the journey that they don't, that stuff don't go on social media, by the way. Like I don't post my failure stories. My close friends know my failure stories. Here on this podcast, I'll tell you my failure stories, but it's not something where we just tell you stuff on stage like, oh yeah, by the way, let me tell you about how I felt on that one and that one and that one but all the people who are successful in life i bet you there's a boatload of, boatload of, of like less successful stories along the way that they keep on getting up from you know I, and um <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I actually I actually think I actually think really
0: successful people fail more. And yeah. and meaning there's just because they're doing more, they're failing more, and as a result they're learning because you only learn when you fail or when you make a mistake. I mean, it's really the only way we learn. Um and so the idea of failure is the feedback loop. I mean, you're a systems guy. You know, failure is is the way to improvement. And so it's sort of the irony is failure stinks and it's not fun, but it really is the key uh, is fail as much as you can, just learn from it and make adjustments.
1: Tony Robbins said this, right? Tony, I'm sure you know who Tony Robbins is. Sure. He says constant and never ending improvement, which yeah. is part of the never ending improvement. It's also there are, there's gonna be failures and stumbles and, and other things along the way where it's not perfect. So I, I mean, I love it. Somebody says, um, if you wanna be successful, fail. And when you fail, you're going you're gonna to fail and you're going to fall forward. Yeah. You're not falling backwards, you know? And so every time you fail, you're just going to get get back up and fail again, get back up again and fail again. And you know what? I'm more, I'm more proud of my failure stories than where I am today because the failure stories defines who I am because out of every single one of those failure opportunities, I keep on get, get, getting back up. And everybody who's successful has those in their in their part of their process. It's like, all right, yep. failure is just part of the journey. And you just keep part of it, part of the deal. It's part of
0: the deal. And, and, and also resiliency is what you get when you bounce, like you were saying, you got back up, you, you kept going. And all of a sudden you build those, those muscles and those calluses where it's like the failures don't. You know, you're like, oh, I survived that. Uh, And then it's like, oh, it didn't kill me that I lost that client. Okay. I guess I'm okay. I I can dust myself off and keep going. And then those failures get easier and easier to handle because you're building that resiliency muscle and. I talked to, um, I talked to, I'd recently talked to a therapist about this and she's like the most important skill that she thinks people don't often develop when they're younger is resiliency. It's this idea of being able to fail and then learning how to like soothe yourself so that you go, okay, it's going to be fine. You'll, you'll, you know, and then you make some adjustments, you try again. And, but the resiliency, and also I love the fact that you cut off any other option too which which we don't ever we don't talk about that much in in our at least in our society of cutting off like you said, burning, burning the bridge behind you. It's like, you didn't really burn a bridge, but you are just like, ah, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Um, of course you I'm sure could have gone back into the it world if you really wanted to, um, yeah. because of that's your training and, and that would have been a fine career too, but realizing like, I'm going to figure this out. People figure this out and probably yeah. people a lot
1: less intelligent than you figure this out too. So it's like, wait, I can do this. <laughs> exactly. Um, but- and I just wrote on my paper, you know, um, the failure makes the success sweeter. Mm-hmm. It makes it so, the celebration is much sweeter when you remember where you came from. Imagine you just get into real estate and boom, the next thing you know, you already made a million dollars, but there's no journey to the story. What do you celebrate? You just celebrate getting there and then you're like, all right, so what's next? But the really the the success, the the, the happiness, the satisfaction is in the journey of getting back up and then trying something and not working, just keeping, keep going at it, you know? The determination, the yeah. uh, thing Grow Rich, one of their, the first thing they said is, the reason why um, Henry Ford, Henry Ford is successful is because of his, his determination. That's really the secret, Yeah, determination. Yeah, and Henry Ford would say, I'm not the most intelligent
0: person. Um, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. In fact, I think he would have a, a panel of buttons on his desk that would summon, you know, this is before the internet, but he would summon people from, from other departments. Yeah. He says, I don't need to know everything because I have people in my life that I just push a button. I mean, you could call that a mentor or you call that a coworker or whatever. I, I can mm-hmm. I can get the answer to anything by pushing this button. Um, he, he, But his point was like, he's like, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm just maybe really determined. I'm going to figure it out. Um, yeah. and I, I, I love, I love that, that you, uh, have that and I, because you're a systems guy, uh, our audience loves hearing about systems. So I'm curious if, if, you know, we're not asking you to share your secret sauce, of course, but any system ideas you have that agents when you're coaching agents, when you're talking to them, that you feel, gosh, I see this a lot where they're just not, they don't have this part of their process really well-defined, or I'm curious if you have any suggestions
1: for, for our audience, for systems. Oh, absolutely. So um, it was maybe like eight years ago, and I had just fired my third assistant in like two months. And I was standing outside the restaurant. I'm a foodie, right? I'm I'm standing outside the restaurant, and my third assistant called me, and I think she's... I forgot if I fired her or she quit. And I thought to myself, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Like, why why am I attracting the wrong people? And then I realized it's probably me. Like I didn't have- a. am the common denominator. I'm the common denominator, not them, it's me. I'm the reason why it's not working, it's not. So so I realized I didn't have a system, I didn't have a process for people to follow, which means I can't leverage the things that I shouldn't be doing to grow my business to the next level um, so I can focus on the high dollar product- productive activities because I'm doing everything, right? And I realized that I'm the reason why this is all failing. I remember I I got on a plane the next day and I was in DCA Reagan National and I was flying to LAX. So it was a good five and a half six hour flight. I was sitting on the second uh, second row uh, middle seat. So I was stuck in the middle, and this is before like internet was like common on flights. So I can't get on the I can't get on the, on the internet, and I was I was stuck in the middle seat, and um, I pulled out my notepad my yellow notepad, and I thought to myself, okay. Um, What would have to happen? What happens every single time I get a client? And I start writing it down, paperwork and sending an introduction email and uh, making sure the listing agreement gets sent on uh, to this person and that person and this person. And and I created an actual checklist system for my processes, the things that are the lowest dollar producing activities I put on paper. And then when I got back home, I put it all into a checklist system in in my, I use Infusionsoft so I put everything into Infusionsoft that triggers automatic emails and you know when people follow the checklist. What I did is I can- I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, it's so funny because
0: as you were saying that, I was realizing, and I hope our audience was thinking the same thing, that I was thinking in my own business, and again, I, I'm not a producing realtor, but I, I do other things um, very yeah. similar to what realtors do. And I was thinking, oh, what are my low income producing? Or what are my non-income producing um, you know, process or, or sorry, tasks that I have to accomplish that I yeah. should uh, consider giving to someone else. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, so so that's exactly what I did. And then I got back home, I put everything into Infusionsoft, which is our CRM slash process systems. And, and I called the local high school and I said to the, I'm like, connect me to the counselor. And the counselor picked up and I said, hey, can you get me a student who needs extra hours? and I wanna train her to run my system because I looked at it as you know, um, McDonald's. McDonald's is run by systems. And the, the thing with McDonald's is no matter which McDonald you go to, you can go to a McDonald in Chicago, you can go to McDonald in Rockville, Maryland, you can go to McDonald in LA, you get the same stuff, you get the same process, you get the same output because the system's predictable, right? The, output, the outcome's predictable. And so I called the, the the high school and I said, send me a, a student a smart girl or a smart person. And I'm like, just give me somebody um, who needs extra hours. And so I gave her my the key to my kingdom, which at the time was we had like four or five agents. Um, and I said, all right, you're going to run my system. This is how I know if the system's going to work or not. Because when the system's followed, no, regardless of skill set, the outcome should be predictable. Right? Yep. And so I gave the keys to the kingdom to a 17-year-old And I said, I'm gonna train you to run my company based on this checklist that I created on a plane. And I know it sounds funny, right? But I said, all right, let's try it. And then I went on a trip. So November, uh, December, 20, uh, 20, gosh, what is it, 2015? December, 2015, we flew to Bali. We actually went to Bali and we left and we stayed in Bali for four weeks, flew back home, and we had $7.9 million in ratified contracts while I was out in Bali because when the systems followed, the outcome's predictable. And I looked at it, I'm like, did a high school girl just manage my team and we just had our productive month ever? It it's incredible. And, and, um, and so that's my system story. If there's one thing that somebody who wants to scale up and first off, find out what, what things are bogging you down. That's not really high dollar producing activities. And give it to somebody else, and create a checklist system. A checklist system is the easiest way to do it. Just make a checklist of the things that has to happen every single time something happens, right? So that's what I created. I give it to somebody, and I taught her how to do it. I, I love that
0: because, and also back to the McDonald's uh, sort of reference is, McDonald's restaurants are essentially run by seventeen-year-olds. Exactly. Too. So, so that's sort of the genius of it. Is like, well if 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 they can you know and 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 I'm not here putting 17 year olds down they're just you know they're just 17 year olds they 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 you know they can follow processes they're probably not great innovators at that age or right. who knows but they're able to follow instruction um clearly fast food restaurants know that and so um that is an incredible I've never heard of anyone Uh, I've heard of people hiring like an experienced person to then run their systems. But I love the fact that you're like, I want to see the, probably it was the most sort of true test is like, I want to get somebody who really has no business running any of this.
1: Um, And and it worked that's incredible. We've always had good agents, but I didn't hire a high level director, leader manager until we were selling like 150 homes, 180 homes at that point. I'm like, all right, for us to go to the next level i do need somebody who's actually a high level like yeah. leader because at that point we're going to double we need i need i need leaders because at that point it's more than just a system we need leadership to go with it right but until we were selling 150 homes 120 150 homes all of my all of my stuff was run by just systems and and assistants I love that, and we're we're so lucky now in this
0: time to be able to with technology. Now we can get connected to help from all over the world, and and we can we are not limited, um, you know, simply to uh, like local high school kids. If that's not what what somebody wants for their business, I mean, you can hire people from all over the world um, to to uh, to assist. And we're I feel right. like a lot of realtors have yet to really. Adopt that and they, they, I think it's scary to give up some of that control. Was that hard for you to, even though you knew that this system likely should work, um, was it, was it scary for you to then hand that over to somebody? Cause I know a lot of our listeners, that's, that's the feedback we get is we say, well, you should hire an assistant for, and you can hire them relatively inexpensively. If, if you look globally for people, um, yep. but they're like, well, I just don't want to, I'm afraid they're going to say, or do the wrong thing. Um curious if, if, if you had those fears as well.
1: Obviously, I didn't because I hired and fired fast and then realized it was my fault, right? Um, really, the thing is, if you have a, 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 at least a checklist or a process in place, you can you should be able to plug in any individual to help you with those processes. Is The key is you just have to know what needs to happen every single time. That's really the key. If you have the system and process in place, finding a person to plug in there shouldn't be a hard thing. Right. And, and the reason why I did it that way is like, I know some people are like, you should just hire somebody high level in the beginning. Well, the problem was I didn't have any money. It's not like I started and I was successful immediately. Right. There, another reason why I started this way was because we were limited in budget. I was reinvesting, I was reinvesting a lot of the money that we were making on, on commission to, for systems and technology and also for lead generation. So sure. it's not like I had a lot of left over money to just hire a high level assistant. That was the thing. And so when COVID happened in 2020, we were very fortunate because we had been running in the clouds since 2015. Like all of my assistants were in the clouds. We were we were in the Philippines. We were in South yeah. America. I hadn't, we had zero, like we didn't have any transaction coordinator that's local. We had nobody on listing coordination that's local. All of my assistants were running over. Everybody was like somewhere else. We were always running in the clouds based on systems, COVID happened. Office shut down. I was like, it's just like, doesn't everything. change anything Our <laughs> for you. was the same. We had all the processes in place already. Um, so I can say, you know, I'm very fortunate that uh, that that was the, the route that we took uh, back in 2014, 2015, as we were building the systems out, that we took that way instead of, you know, uh, the paper route. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I I am such a big fan of um of hiring uh, virtual assistants um for all sorts of areas of life. I actually have somebody um that I hire uh and I uh f- which is basically she goes through all of my to-dos with me every morning for an hour. We we yeah. categorize them because I'm not good at staying on target with my to-dos. She also helps with, I mean, this I'm only saying this because I think this might be helpful for our audience. I have so if it it part of my you know, my struggles is my work life. I, I'm, I'm pretty well um, on top of things, but even in my home life, that's where I struggle. And so I even have somebody, or I, I say to them, can you come up with like 10 date ideas for this week? So I can then, you know, organize something to, for my girlfriend so that come up with like restaurants that we should go to. And, and so then she sends me a list of things and it's, it's the, it's some of the best money I spend because I then it. I just, it, yeah. So it doesn't even have to just be work. I have systems. I have systems to make sure uh, because I won't remember to do anything. So I, yeah. I have to have those kind of systems. So I love that, but enough about me, but I want to tell, talk, you, you talked about you know, you have become not only a top producer, but really a leader in the field. And and I I have to give you a huge shout out because you uh, were a panelist at RIS, uh, RIS Media's 33rd annual CEO and Leadership Exchange. By the way, RIS Media, we are I we are in communication with them right now to uh, to work on a project together as well. So I'm very excited. Uh, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's so cool. I'm I'm a big fan of them. Um, but t- I would love to hear about how you. Moved even from just, you know, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm a producing realtor. I've got a team to now I need to share some of this with
1: with, you know, the broader, a broader audience. You know, it's a it's exactly what you just said. How do I share this with a broader audience? Um, my vision, you know, since like uh, 2017, 2018, um, I was attending a conference. I was attending a Tony Robbins conference and it was the last day. And Tony's like, he shut the lights off, right? It was dark, pitch dark. And he's like, all right, imagine where you are in five years. And I'm like, all right, well, what's, all right, let me imagine that. And he's like, dream bigger. Like, is that it? And, and so first I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll sell like 400 homes. And he's like, dream bigger. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. But he kept on challenging me to like expand like, like the, the goal. And I was like, all right. Maybe I'll open up and I start naming cities. I said, maybe I'll open up in Florida. Maybe I'll open up in San Diego. And I start naming places that I want to like expand my brand, my the fine living brand to, which we never had that vision until like that conference. And that he's like, where do you want to be? And I'm like, Toronto, New York, Chicago. And I start naming like major cities, Flor- uh, like West Palm Beach, Miami, San Diego. Guess what? We're open in San Diego. We have fine living groups, and thank you. Um, we're open uh, fine living group, Miami slash West Palm Beach, like that whole area. We have a team down there. We have a team in Washington D.C., um, Virginia, Maryland, uh, and we're and we're continually expanding. And so it's just it started with that that dream, that vision that was just birthed out of a moment where 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 he challenged me to dream bigger. And I'm originally my dream was I'm just gonna sell like a few more hundred homes which is like all right we can just do that but it's like is that all you want so and i think that's what the moment i knew what we want to do what what the vision was um it was a year and a half ago i realized my old brokerage was just not the right model for that that really fit that vision of expansion and and the reason we want to expand is not just to make money it costs money to change people's lives but we want to expand for like more than that reason right we want to change people's lives in these marketplaces we want to have more influence over over all these other people's lives and over the market um, in all these markets and and so realizing that i was not in the right brokerage we had to make a really big and hard decision because i had been at my old brokerage for like 11 years and we had i had grown from like a nobody to rank number 23 in the world uh, for that brokerage and i'm like gosh like my ego is kind of hurting here. Like I, I'm not number one yet. I really, my ultimate goal is to become number one in the world. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's time to go. You know, I think we, we found a model with EXP where expansion was possible, where growing in San Diego was actually very easy to do and, and opening up in Florida was going to be very easy to do. And we had the right people in place in those two markets. And so just having that vision aligned with the model in place and the company that have the same mission, everything just accelerated. And, and it's pretty cool because Swiss Media, they, they saw what was happening. You know, they know, they, they saw that the number one Remax broker owner team in Maryland shut down. And then the next thing, like six months later, we had two other teams, which even I couldn't have predicted that was, I had no idea that was gonna happen that fast. You know, it was a vision, but what was cool is it just happened so fast. There were, the people were ready. The vision was there we had the system that we've been testing for like ages you know with our team locally and then we just planted the system in florida we planted the system in san diego and then boom now we're open in three locations and then risk media saw that and they're like wow i guess we should see what's actually happening here because we went from 20 to 65 in um 65 real estate agents in such a short period of time um, I'm very fortunate. I'm grateful for that. And um, I have amazing people. I'm really fortunate because I have amazing people with me. Um, hang around people who believe things are possible, by the way. Like if there's one thing, just just hang around people that believe that there's nothing impossible and impossible things will start happening. If you hang around people who just will put you down and be like, hey, that's impossible. That's stupid. Don't do that. Then you're just going to be stuck not growing. So if there's one thing I can like share today, like my vision was my vision, but hang around people who believe in that vision, hang on people who believe in the impossible because they'll, you'll go far with those people.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I. I think you're right. Is well, I know you're right. Is this idea of being around people who go, oh yeah, there's a way to do that, instead of, oh, that seems like, oh my gosh, that's you know that seems tough or or not possible. Just somebody who goes, oh yeah, that could be done, and and that's why being around people who are doing better than you is always so encouraging because you're like, (laughs) oh. Oh that person figured it out and there's a way to do that. I I want to talk since your team has grown substantially. You have 65 agents now. Um you know last year you were at 20. So, so again, as somebody who spends eight hours a day recruiting agents, I know, and that's, I know you're not spending eight hours a day recruiting because you have a million other things to do as well, like running a team and right. doing your own production and all of that, but, um, and, and, and speaking and writing and all of the things you do, but I want to talk, um, we're going to take just a, a quick little, uh, uh, commercial break for one of our sponsors. And then when we come back, I want to ask about how you go about finding people to attract to the team, because there's so many. Of our listeners who are looking to either join a team or maybe start a team themselves and i'd love to hear your thoughts on you know how they should select a team if they want to join an existing one or maybe even create one of their own um before we do that couple, um, just a quick, quick note about our favorite sponsor, which is called Follow Up Boss. So um, I wanted, this is my favorite CRM that exists. uh, And I've interviewed hundreds of top realtors like John in the country for this podcast over the years. And the CRM that is used by more than any of our guests Follow Up Boss. Now, let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. We all know that. Follow Up Boss will actually help you drive more leads in less time with less effort. Don't take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the United States, uses Follow Up Boss, and he's built a $1.5 billion business in just six years. Follow Up Boss integrates with 250 different systems, so you can keep your current tools and processes in place. Um, Also, the best part, Follow Up Boss has seven day a week support. Realtors work on the weekends, right? So this is ha- this is great because you can get the help you need when you need it. And get this, follow-up boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that they're for a limited time, they're offering, keeping it real listeners, a 30-day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everyone else who visits their website. So, but you have to go, oh, and by the way, no credit card required either, free 30-day trial, no credit cards. You don't have to worry about them charging you on day 31. Um, just, But you do have to go to a special link to get the 30-day trial, which that link link is followupboss.com forward slash real. Again, followupboss.com forward slash real. You have nothing to lose here. Check out their CRM. They're so confident you're going to keep using it, that they're giving it to you totally free for 30 days follow up like a boss with follow up boss. And, but now let's get back to John. So let's talk about recruiting and also retaining, but we'll start with recruiting because, um, and, and I don't know that that's even the right word, but how we attract talent to the company. Um, and that's maybe a, a word I would suspect you would probably use over recruiting. So um, if someone's out there and they're listening and they want to join an existing team, maybe maybe your team even, Um how would you recommend that they might start to explore existing options
1: teams like yourself you know there are different kinds of real estate teams right there are different kinds of things that they offer some teams offer leads some teams offer appointments some teams offer support some teams offer systems some teams offer coaching some teams offer everything and of course depending on what you need you need to know first of all what do you need to take your business to the next level because Just because there's an awesome team out there doesn't mean that fits what you need. Um, And then you need to know also like ultimately what you want your business to look like long-term. Like, is there a growth potential or growth opportunity for you to join that team and actually see you hit your vision, your goal long-term? Or is this gonna be like a temporary stay where you learn for the next six months to two years and then take what you learn and build your own team elsewhere? Uh, So kind of like, first off, know what you want, know what you need, and then if you have that, the next part is not as hard. The hard part is if you don't know what you know, or you don't know what you want and you don't know what you need, then really there's no good fit out there. And it's just gonna be like, you know, you just have to test different teams, okay? Um, So that's the first thing. From the perspective of the the team leader, um, for us, or for me at least, what I'm looking for are agents that fit our core values. You know, because like I said, I have competition out here. Have, we have competitors that offer the same thing, so just because they fit me doesn't mean they're going to fit the other team, and vice versa. And and so looking for the agents that fit our our core belief, our core uh, our core values, to me is more valuable than the skills. The skills I can teach, I can I can teach them scripts. I can teach them how to overcome objections. I can teach them kind of like some of the mindset things that we believe in. But if that's not their core, it's not sustainable long-term, like they'll, they'll go back to like who they really are long-term, right? So like for us, the number one rule that we're looking for or like the number one kind of like core value we're looking for is we love, we care, we serve. We love, we care, we serve. We're looking for agents that just embodies that and live and breathe and believes that the most important thing to do to one another and to their clients is to love, care, serve. And it's, it's, a, really easy to me- it's a really easy way to measure that. Those, the agents that believe in loving and caring and serving, you can see their success because they'll get more referrals, they'll get more repeat clients, and they get more five-star reviews. And then you have the other agents who just sell, 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 and they get none of those things, right? So that's something that, that just we just learned along the way that there's a lot of producers out there, and there are probably other agents that don't fit our culture, but they can sell a lot more. With us, but they just don't fit our culture, and we don't really want those agents. We're looking for agents who love care serve. Like that's our number one and most important rule on the team.
0: Yeah, I I love that, and um and it's not just a slogan, right? It's like is every you probably put every process at every action through that filter first I imagine is yeah. does this does is, is every action we take under that love care serve umbrella which probably helps it probably makes your life your job a little easier because sometimes when we're not sure what to do if we push it through that filter of that's my highest value that's it, it probably makes it more clear what to do I imagine that really uh,
1: brings things into focus about what to actually do. Exactly. We hire, we fire based on that value of love, care, serve, and we make decisions and we implement programs and systems based on that core value. Will this help us love, care, serve our clients more? Is this going to help us show that we love, care, and serve? Um, Somebody said this before, and Maya Angelou, it was Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou said, people don't remember what you say, people don't remember what you promise them, but, but people will remember how you make them feel. Yeah. And I and I was like, you know what? That's genius. It is. If we just make people feel special, we'll be super successful because people will just recommend us everywhere. They'll remember us. They'll re- recommend us. It's um and I it, it I was in line at Disney World. You've been to Disney? I have. It's like 105 degrees oh, in sunny brutal. Florida, right? And the yeah. line two hours long. Two hours long, man. It was like, oh, I know two, years, two hours long. And I'm like, why are all these people like smiling and happy? And they're willing to line up for an experience that they've experienced before. It's because they don't remember the line. They remember how they felt. They remember how Disney made them feel. And so they keep on coming back. And I thought to myself, what if we create a process and a system where our clients feel the same way? where they don't remember how much money we sold their home for. They don't remember how much savings they got from us. They don't remember how much more money they got from us because of our amazing systems, but they remember that we cared. Yeah, I
0: one of my favorite little Disney things, and I don't know if this is still in effect, but it used to be a rule and probably still is at uh, on at the park uh, down in, in, in Orlando, which is if anybody, from, uh, from staff, whether it's the the person sweeping up the you know the the cigarette butts on the or, or the wrappers on the floor to to the people in the Mickey Mouse outfits walking around taking pictures anyone on staff, apparently if they came within if they come within now if you have the the Mickey Mouse head, this wouldn't work but for people that you could see their face who work at at the park if if a, if, a, if a guest if one of you know some a visitor comes within 10 feet they have to smile at the person. They have to make eye contact and smile. And, and it really goes to what you just said. It's like, that's such a simple thing and you don't really think about it except, that makes people feel good. It, it's, it's, and it's pretty easy to do. Uh, it doesn't cost anything. It's, you don't even have to talk. You just have to smile. It's this idea of we're, we're glad you're here and we want you to feel good. Um, and so you're essentially doing that s- a same version of that um, with Love Care Serve. And it's it's really, it's again, it sounds simple. It's actually pretty hard to do, but when when you do it, it probably just ultimately makes everything a lot easier.
1: It's, it's easy to do when the things are good. when you know, it's yeah. a good, easy situation, yeah. right? When somebody that left your team and tried to recruit from your team, <laughs> right like I found out 24 hours ago, mm. um, and then I had to go through that. And at the end, I said to my staff and my leaders, I was like, hey, guys, we love, we care, we serve. Just don't forget that. That's not easy to do. So it's easy when things are easy. It's not easy when it's a really, really tough situation. You just have to remember your core value. And as a leader, like I have to remember that, you know what? People look at me and they're waiting for me to fail too. They're like, let's see if John's going to embody this love, care, serve belief, or is he going to go the other way and start like trashing someone else? And I'm like, I got to make sure that um, if I preach it and if I tell people, hey, we're all about loving and caring and serving, I have to keep on showing that. Yeah,
0: yeah, and ultimately, you know, by focusing on your core values, and, and and again, you know, if if your processes weren't strong, um, you know, then then when things shake up the the business, you know, the top producer on the team leaves and tries to recruit or or you know people away, um, and there's there's a shakeup, um, it 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 really helps um to to be able to go back to that because that love care serve model, because it really goes, everything's going to be okay. This is, this is, you know, life has ups and downs and, and, and people are involved. So, you know, people are the most random things on the planet. We don't know what anyone's going to do at any given moment. Um, but, but you built something without any, any, uh, agent, right. You were just you. So you're like, well, I already know I can get more agents. And so, um, but yes, it's not, doesn't mean it's easy. And it's certainly, uh, uh, I, I've had that exact experience that you're referencing so m- many times. So uh, it's one of those, and I used to get very, very upset about it, and and th- then I sort of went, eh, "It's okay. <laughs> it's all going to be fine." But it is. It certainly can be challenging. Um, so um, I would love to talk when we're talking about challenges here. A challenge that most everyone is facing and I know you can't solve this problem but I'm curious how you cope with this problem for you and your team since you are the leader. We're yeah. dealing with a shortage in inventory pretty much everywhere. Um rates of course are rising. They're still pretty historically they're still pretty good, but they don't feel good in the moment because of course rates were so low before. So you have this sort of, you know, difficult time for agents that don't have a lot of listings and maybe are working with buyers. so I'm just curious what are you how are you keeping your team motivated, um, engaged and positive?
1: I tell my, my client my agents all the time be, be the resource. educate your clients and and regardless if they're a buyer or a seller, position yourself as the expert by providing value valuable information, right whether it's through videos, whether it's through social media, don't just be like any other realtor saying, oh my gosh, we're in a crazy market. They already know that. But instead, how do you educate them that how do you prepare your offer so that you win? And so we, we do videos every single every week. We have a new video that we send out to all of our, our whole database and we treat everybody the same. We I mean, we segmentize the database, but we our whole database, I treat as if they're going to buy and sell today because all these people who are afraid right now, who's hesitating, they're looking for somebody to tell them what to do right? People love being told what to do. People love that the decisions are already made for them. And so we tell them like, Hey, if you are still thinking of moving, here's five costly mistakes that you need to know this week so that you don't end up losing your dream home. Here's the 10 things that you shouldn't do if you're thinking of selling your home. And, and so we just become a resource, right? Because you know what, if they do want to buy and sell, you have to educate them anyways. You have to tell, you need to show them so that they listen to you. And so we, we, we believe, we come in with the belief that, Hey, just be a resource. And you, resource you demonstrate, and you demonstrate
0: that you have that skill on social media and also to your existing sphere of influence, your, your contact list. you're consistently reminding them, we have information, not so much hey if you're ready to buy or sell where you're and i'm sure you t- you say that too or maybe you don't but but th- that's not the main message the main message is i have something you need to hear i have exactly. something you need to read um and so um it, it's it's amazing how few realtors do go that route and become the place that people will tune into to get knowledge versus oh I'm thinking it's time for me to sell my house I need to find a realtor versus, Oh, I've been following this guy for a while. He's great. And he's constantly telling me what to do and what not to do.
1: I'm just going to go with him. Exactly. And so we're getting, we're getting clients or buyers and sellers calling us. They've been on our database for ages and they're finally like coming back and they're calling, they're like, Hey, I've been watching your videos. I'm ready to go now. So we treat everybody the same. And then every seller, oh well, not every seller, but the majority of sellers are buyers. So if you have a database of buyers, essentially, you have a database of potential sellers in that database. So we just, we just educate them as if they're buyers, because most people don't wake up in, in the morning. They're like, oh, I got to sell my house. Most people wake up in the morning. They're like, this home is too small. I need another house. So that we create a video. Hey, if you're waking up this morning and you realize that your home's too small, you need to watch this video. Here's three costly mistakes people have. People And we give them content based on that because it's their thought. People don't wake up in the morning saying, I got to sell my house.
0: That is is a, I'm going to pause for a second. That is a brilliant insight. That you just said that I've done about 400 episodes. I don't think anyone specifically ever said in that way, and I want to I want to sort of just go over that again because that's really important. Yes, people might look up their home value on Zillow, or that you know they might do little things like that. But you're right, day to day, people aren't thinking about whether they want to buy or sell, but they are thinking about whatever challenges they're having. And so you're basically saying, hey, if you have this challenge, I've got a solution for you. Um, wow. And that's, that is a great way to think about creating content, thinking about what are the actual challenges that my audience is experiencing, and then here's some knowledge or some solution. Um, boy, that's a brilliant
1: strategy, I love that. Just be a resource, provide information, provide solutions. And then when they're ready, they're gonna raise their hand, they're gonna be like, hey, DJ, I'm ready. I've been watching you for the last eight years. I've been in your database. You're, you're the man, like you have all the content, I'm ready to go now, right? That's how we do it. Now, we do create that database. We do have, you know, we, we generate a lot of buyers, uh, buyer leads and seller leads, but not everybody's ready. Most of them just goes into our database and then we put them into our follow-up process, including content, uh, videos with content and things like that.
0: I, I love that. And you make you try to make a new video weekly, is
1: that, that's the, the schedule? Yep, every single week we'll have a new content coming out. Um, and my assistant will make sure I do that. <laughs> She's like, hey, you need three more videos for, uh, for next month. I'm like, all right, um, yeah.
0: Just out of curiosity, um, how long do you, do you have a specific length that you try to hit with your videos? Do you not worry about that? Is it more about the content or do you try to, do you, just because I know you're a process guy and I know you've looked at all the, all the data from your videos and all the engagement um, metrics. Curious if you found shorter videos or longer videos tend to work better for
1: you. I use, right now, all my videos are usually between three to five minutes long. But my, ironically, the video that has the most views is like 15 minutes, which I can't figure out. But that one has uh, that video, I think, is um, how to sell your home without an agent. And that one has the most views, but that's like a 15 minute video that I can't redo. It's just too long. <laughs> But yeah. it, but it
0: works. And, and, and yeah. that's that's the other thing, too, is is I think when you're when our audience is trying to put out content, it, you can experiment, experiment with long form, experiment yeah. with short form, um, you know, I, I, and, and see what what works. But I love that you're 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 really you think of yourself. I imagine you consider yourself more of a consultant than a realtor.
1: Is, would that be fair to say? very, very accurate there. I I see myself as the consultant to agents. And I'm the consultant and the content for uh, home buyers and homeowners who's thinking of sell. And then oh, by the way, I do sell houses like I am a realtor on the side, but I, I provide information and I consult and that's what I do. Advisor, I'm an advisor.
0: And you're always tracking with how your agents are feeling and how the clients are feeling, right? Because that you were talking about making sure that there's as many positive feelings associated with the process as, as possible. And, and and that can be tough, right? Because with every single real estate transaction, there's some wrinkle that'll happen, or we can assume there'll be a wrinkle that will cause some stress and frustration. Um, right now, and lot, a lot of that, right? We're still in a high-bidding situation, lots of uh, multiple offers. Um, and I'm just curious if you have any quick tips, and it's only because you mentioned it, about getting an offer noticed. Um, is there anything that you're doing that you could share with our audience, a, a simple way that they can you know, have more success uh, having their, their offers
1: highlighted, I guess, versus all the I, I others the, coming in? I think the first part is building rapport with the listing agent. Yeah. Like, if there's anything you hear from what I say today regarding, like, offers – that rapport with the listing agent goes a long way. That Actually, that rapport will get you a callback versus a straight out rejection, right? You could be the second, third, fourth, like on the actual chain of offers. But if there's a rapport and they like and trust you, you're going to get a callback. And a lot of times you'll get an opportunity to get a, to up your offer, okay? I tell my my agents that all the time, build rapport. The most important thing in your offer is you have to build rapport with the person in charge of presenting the offer. Um, if you have rapport, you have a chance. If you have no rapport, you can be the best offer, but they don't like you. Who to say the agent won't say, won't, won't tell their, their seller and, and say, Hey, I don't like this agent. Don't work with this agent. Right. Um, and who to say that that agent, that listing agent won't call the second highest offer and say, Hey, listen, I don't like the highest offer. Can you beat it? So that rapport goes a long way.
0: There it's, you go,
1: that's my, that's my one tip. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest
0: tip you could have given because, um, and I just, I'm 45 or yeah, I'm 45, I had to think about my age, but um, I, I really just, and I didn't figure this out, I read it, uh, but being likable. Um, is, is really a lot of what we're talking about when you're talking about rapport. It's like, well, how do you build rapport with agents? Okay, well, if you it, there's lots of different ways to do that, lots of books and, and there's whole fields of study on rapport. But if nothing else, if you're just a nice human being and you are authentic and genuine and a good human being and you are pleasant and happy and excited, um that works for the vast majority of people in this you know in 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 society is if you're just a nice human it's kind of like about twice a year I'll pass somebody on the street and they smile at me and I notice it it only happens a couple times a year yeah. you know but what it does it's such a magical moment where I'm like I don't even know that person and I like them just because yeah. they smiled at me <laughs> we're talking about the the Disney thing right and it's right. It's, it's it's but it's like you know, even just being a good, hey, I'm so excited to be able to give you this offer. I, I think it's pretty solid. I don't know you, but I, wanted, I want to get to know you, Mr. and Mrs. Other Agent, um, you know, listing agent, and, and, you know, you can build a relationship. Uh, a, a professional friendly relationship that way, and and just be a good human. And they have to deal with so many other stressed out realtors who are not super pleasant. Who you know don't smile, don't do the little fun things when they're emailing the offers, and it's just here's the stuff you know. And and it goes a long way just being playing nice in the sandbox. They say,
1: right? You never know when you're going to encounter the same agent again, <laughs> and you will, and you will. <laughs> You know, as the market turns, <laughs> the good agents are going to stay. <laughs> you might as well make friends with those good agents because you're going to see them again. And it might be, and if you're the listening agent today, be nice to those buyer agents because there will be a time when that buyer agent is now the listening agent and you need your offer to be reviewed. And if you were mean before, they're going to remember because people remember how you make them feel.
0: I would love to just just ask you because we, we ask a we do a pre-interview with, with our guests and, and they send us some some stories and I rarely ever get to them, but I love this one. I would love to hear uh about where there was we'll just I'll just tee it up by saying this is that you uh had a long lost family member. Can you tell us that story uh with the real the real estate story?
1: Oh my god, the long lost family member. And, and this has nothing to do with love care and stuff. This is uh this is I think maybe eight years ago or so and i was at the time we were a small team i was the buyer agent in this transaction and i was showing my buyer homes all around like uh gaithersburg and i got to this one house and this long lost family member that's related to my wife uh we hadn't seen in in years just disappeared we didn't know where that person went wow like I mean, we knew he was alive, but we didn't know where he went, just like disappeared. And um, so this Saturday morning, I put the key in the, you know, and in, 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 you know, in the key in the, the door handle I open and and this man was right behind the door and he tried to open the door for me. And I looked and was like, are you freaking kidding me? This is your house. Um, it was. And you had no idea. I had no idea because I don't go out there. I don't, as a buyer agent, I don't, I'm not researching who owns the house, you sure. know, and and I didn't know where he lived. I thought he moved out of the area. And, I, and yeah, he uh, he appeared and, and he stuck around after that. Like we, re, you know, we uh, we got reconnected and now we're, you know, we're all good and fine again. But that Saturday morning, a long lost family member that we hadn't seen in, in years was behind the door, not knowing that I was the buyer agent that was going to show his house. And then we got reconnected. And I remember calling my wife. I was like, you're not going to believe who I just found.
0: <laughs> well, and, and there's only millions of homes in your immediate area. So the right. odds of that happening are so astronomical. It's ne- it,
1: that's never going to happen, except it and, did. <laughs> and it was, it was the first time I met my niece. Oh. <laughs> was right there. When he opened the door, I was like, oh, well, Hello. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I had, I just had an almost identical, very similar experience, not with a family member, but I was at a a party this week and this made a little bit more sense. Um, yours is like amazing that that ever happened. I was at a party and an old fraternity brother of mine who I didn't know knew the, knew the people that were having this party. I didn't know they were connected in any way. He walks in and I, and, and, and we reconnected. And so this really is, um, and it was a kind of a businessy sort of thing. And so it was fun. It's like, this is such a cool business because, there's so much good feelings um, between agents. You know, it is called a cooperative commission when agents work together. When the clients get their needs met, um, when people are moving into their first home ever or their next home, when they're selling, um, there's so much excitement. And yes, it's stressful too. But boy, are there some some wonderfully great feelings uh, that go along with this business. And I I think um, agents maybe could focus on. Like you do, focusing on the feelings uh, really help get you through the tough times, uh, and and it is it is challenging right now. It's 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 tough, um, but but if if you if you focus on those feelings, and I know your team does that. I'm curious, are you guys doing anything to um, to help owners understand the market right now? Meaning. Right, like, great time to sell, tough time to buy, because not as much inventory. So I'm curious, how are you coaching the sellers, or your agents to coach the sellers? What are you telling them to, to do? Because there's probably just a lot of people who are scared, like, I, I want to sell and make a big profit, but then yeah. I don't know where I'm going to live.
1: We, we give them market data, right? We can't We can't change the facts, but we can help interpret the data. So we give them the data like, hey, uh, markets are are increasing right now. That's one of our last messages. We actually just picked up a listing this morning, I did, where the seller said, well, I don't really want to move until maybe October or maybe next year. And I said, that's fine. I'm just here to be a second opinion for you. And I said to him, I'm like, all right, well, let me just tell you about the current market conditions. And then you can decide whatever you want to decide. I'm not emotionally connected to the outcome of what you decide. I'm just here to be provide you the market information. And, but because if I don't give you the market information and then you realize three months from now that the market has shifted and you just lost the opportunity to sell, then it's my fault, right? So we just come in from the perspective, like, hey, we're just here to provide information, to educate, to give you all the, all the latest and then you decide what's best for you, including staying. So I said, all right, here's the, here's the truth. Rates have increased the number of buyers that used to be able to qualify for your home have also decreased and so if you sell today here's the current market price if we sell in october i really don't know and i said if but you can see visually because it's a very visual person i said imagine the pool the circle of buyers decreasing from this big to this big and the more demand you have for a home the higher your price is going to be now that that number of pool buyers now smaller what do you think is going to happen to your price and of course i'm not going to tell you it's going to go down but you can figure that out yourself. And he said, oh, that makes sense. And his need, and again, his need was he needs to sell his home for a certain number. And I said, well, if you sell it today, I know I can get you that number. If you sell in October or next year, I really can't guarantee that number because we don't know what's gonna happen with, I mean, the stock market's crashing. (laughs) You know, rates are, who knows how high it's gonna go. I can tell you what's happening today and I'm here to provide you information based on today's data. Tomorrow, I'll give you tomorrow's data. In next, next month, I'll tell you next month's data, next month, but today I know what's happening today. You know, so that's that's how we come and that's how we, we provide information to our sellers. And then of course, if the end of the day, they're like, well, what do I buy? Well, let's talk about what you need to buy. Let's see if what you want is there. Because if what you want is not there, we're also here to provide that information to you. So, that's really the angle we come in. It's not, we're not there to make decisions. We're there to provide the information so they know how to make the right decision for themselves. Let's deconstruct. Let's just, I want to
0: just step on this a little bit because you just said something so incredibly valuable. I want to make sure our audience got it. Number one, uh, here's what I heard. When John goes into a listing presentation or a buyer consultation, he's like, hey, Almost not that he doesn't care what decision they make because of course he does and he's running a business and he wants clients. But the message he gives across is, "Hey, you get to make the decision. If you want to list your home, great. If you don't, fine. I'm going to be with you regardless. I'm not. I don't have any particular feeling of of disappointment should you decide to sit on the sidelines for a while. I'm still your guy. I'm still going to hang out with you and give you anything you need." that is a really different, and if we think about it from the customer perspective, because I'm, I'm not a producing realtor, um, I'm I'm thinking of myself as a customer, I would go, oh, thank God, he's not trying to like, he's not going to be upset if, if we don't move forward. I just, because there's pressure there as, as a consumer to go, oh, God, now I have to pretend like I'm going to do this, and then I have to think, like, I would, I love it when, sales quote, salespeople, unquote, say, I don't care whether you buy or not this product. I just want you to have all the information so you can make the right decision, which is exactly what you're doing. And that is such a simple and subtle, but crazy powerful thing for a customer experience. It is, it, it's also, by the way, um, uh it, it, it's it's also very um very thoughtful and it's empowering to the person because you're like i'm going to empower you to make the right decision mr or mrs client and again not every client wants that but most of them probably do i i just wanted to, to sort of take a minute to talk about that because that yeah. was that is so important and again i know it's just part of your process but boy is that a powerful thing to to be able to get across somebody as yeah, whether you buy or not, if now's not the right time, no
1: problem. I just want you to have all the data so you can make the right decision. That's exactly what it is. It's um when, when a pro- nobody wants to be sold, right? I mean, do you ever go to the car dealership to be sold? It. No, you go to the car dealership it. to test drive the car. Right. Just like the people when they call us for a listing appointment, they're testing you out, but at the same time, they don't really wanna be sold. No. If they feel like they like you, And you give them enough information, maybe they'll want to be like, maybe they'll come into that agreement. But the moment you just tell them, like, listen, and they can feel it, by the way, if you're going out there to close versus you're going out there to provide information, regardless of what happens, I'm just here to help you. They can feel that. Right. And the moment they know that you're not out there to sell them and chase them and close them hard and you're just there to provide information, their guard goes down. Because before that, they're all guarded up. They're like, I don't really want to trust you. I don't really want to open up really what's important to me because I don't want you to sell me anything. I just want to get information. So if you just upfront be like, hey, I'm just here to provide you information. If you decide to move with me, to move and and sell with me, love to. But if you're not ready, I'm here to provide you information today. And I'm going to help you come to an, an agreement as to what's best for you, whether it's buy, sell, or stay. People
0: like that. They they absolutely do. It's respectful too. It's, it's this, I, I, you know, I, yes, I, I will be able to provide ideas and suggestions, and I have guidance and I have opinions. But Mr. and Mrs. uh homeowner or potentially home buyer, um, I want you to make the right decision for you. So I'm here as, as a knowledge source. I'm here to make sure you have everything you need that is r- very different than i have to win this listing presentation right exactly. which is how most not most i don't know what what most agents think but i think a lot of agents go in going oh my god i hope they like me i i, I hope i i and and the way that they'll they'll like you is treat them as an equal um show respect and also say here are all of your options and you know you and you and you have opinions about those options too well here's what i think makes sense here's what might not make sense but this idea that hey if by the way if you decide this isn't the right time that's totally cool like you're not disappointing me we want you to do the right thing for you so we're going to be with you regardless and then you end up getting the sale anyway whether it's right then or two years from now that's that's the genius of it is it works Every time, it just doesn't always work instantly. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, boy, and, and 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 I for anyone listening who might be thinking, well, easy for John to say—he's doing two hundred uh, sales, uh, two hundred plus home sales a year. He can afford to
1: not win every listing. I bet you were doing that at the very beginning. It's just a mindset. I just believed that was the right thing to do from the beginning. Um, now, that, not to say that if I realized they're actually ready to go. And, you know, they're financially able to buy or sell They're interested in working with them. They're realistic. They're motivated. I'm going to close them. Sure. Like I, I will close them. I don't, I will not walk out of the room without a present without my paper sign, you of know, course. but that's secondary. The first part is like, I'm just here. Number one, I also get to gauge if I want to work with them. Right. If I, right. I don't think you're interviewing them too. Me, yeah. For me, I'm like, I don't want to close somebody that's going to give me nightmares. So, I want to make sure they're the right client that I can help just because they're a client that can be helped. That doesn't mean they're the right client for me. So I want to make sure they're the right client for me that I can really help and support and and provide all the the information they need and all. But that's the first part. And then, of course, then I, I do close them. Otherwise if we don't close them we have no business. <laughs> right. right. It just makes
0: it a lot easier to close once you've given them all the information that they that they want because you're not restricting information. A lot of realtors do that. They sort of You know, they sort of say, well, you know, they they have their own secret sort of processes um, to restrict information and as opposed to giving as much as possible so that the client feels uh, informed, engaged, and then you can make the decisions together. Um, It's really, really brilliant. Um, Well, I feel like we've talked about this stuff, but I want to make a a point. This is not only what John does with his team, so the other agents in his company, but also this is what he teaches the you know the to the consumers too so this is a great thing if you are not getting this kind of coaching and support from the firm or from the team that you're currently with John's going to train you. That's what he does. He's going to teach you these systems all based around these values that he's developed. And um, he, he's been attracting agents at an incredible clip based on some of these uh, values and processes. And John, can you talk a little bit about that, like what, when an agent joins you, sort of how, what, what you do for them, not so much like leads, and but just
1: teaching them processes. So we teach them processes, we teach them mindset, we teach them scripts and we coach them, but really we, we start with core values and then we ask them, what do you actually want this time next year? You're smiling ear to ear and you feel like it's the best decision in your life. What just happened? And I'm like, write it down because if I don't, if they don't know where they are and they don't know where they want to go, like, then how are we going to get them there? Right. So we help them with goal setting. We help them figure out, all right, my, currently my production's at this level and I want this quality of life and this quality of production, this level of production. Let's put it on paper and let's create a roadmap from where you are now to where you want to go in the next 12 months. And let's really break it down how many appointments you need, how much, how much, uh, how much growing you need to do, uh, how much time, how many times you have to make phone calls, how many uh, appointments you have to go on, how much, what your conversion rate is going to be. And we start tracking that. Um, that for me is measurable because those are all measurable numbers, but if you don't know where they are and you don't know where they want to go and they don't tell you where they want to go, if they tell you, oh, I just want to make a million dollars. Okay. Well, why do you want to make a million dollars? Right. And then, and what does that give you? What will you do with a million dollars? You go deeper and just, you have to go deeper with the questions with those agents. So goal setting and really. Uh, like planning for the future vision, uh, vision casting with them, Um, and then we also show them our processes and systems, okay, and show them um, also how to, we call it the fine living system, because we're we're called fine living group, so we have our fine living system, Um, the first part is our lead generation system, show them how our lead generation system works. We show them how our social media uh, system works. We show them how our inside sales department will help make phone calls for them and and convert the leads into appointments. And then we teach them the actual part of the process where our agents step in, which is uh, the face-to-face consultations. So we teach them the presentation, how to build rapport, how to connect, how to educate, and then how to close. That's it.
0: Well, I think uh, that a lot of our audience is going to want to to reach out to you to learn more about your processes, your team, uh, and whatever coaching opportunities exist, and, and maybe even joining your team. So for anyone out there who is interested in working with a team like John's or Maybe you have clients moving to the DC metro area or San Diego area now, and, and uh, as John's Fine Living Group uh, continues to expand, you know, they would love to talk to you too, because again, there's referral opportunities there. So John, what's the best way that our, one of our listeners can connect with you and either to get advice or maybe just to find uh, opportunities that would work for both you and the, and the
1: listener? Send an email to john, J-O-N, at group.com. J-O-N at the fine living group.com. All right. And send an email there and we'll connect or you can go on Instagram. My Instagram handles foodie realtor. All right. I'm the only foodie realtor in the world. So go to Instagram and send me a message there and we'll connect. And if you're local, we'll meet up somewhere for a drink or grab lunch and we we'll, we'll, we'll talk and see if what I'm doing is a good fit to help you grow your business. Um, If you're not local, no problem, we'll Zoom. We'll connect on Zoom and we'll do a Zoom call and we'll talk and we'll do a consultation. I'd love to see what I can do to help grow your business. And really, um, I I didn't talk about this earlier, but it was one of our mindsets from early on. If you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want. And it's just been our process. Our whole process is based on just help people get what they want. You wanna attract good agents, figure out what that agent want and give that to them. And yeah, it's, if it's money, if it's a feeling, if it's accomplishment, if it's whatever they want, figure out how to give them that and you'll attract the right people.
0: It's really funny. I was, I was with my, parents uh in um uh, just recently a couple of weeks ago and where my mom has recently retired and she was very successful in 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 her her career and i was asking her i said just out of curiosity what was the most important part of um sort of you feeling like um, you were happy in your job. And she said, you know, it never was the money. Now, some people it is money can be the I'm not putting a judgment on whatever anyone's motivators are. But for her, she goes really wasn't the money. I mean, the money is nice. And I'm glad that they paid me well. But she goes, you know, what I really cared about more than anything was recognition from the Mm -hmm. company that I was doing a good job. And she goes, I know, it sounds kind of silly, because the money's the more sort of exciting thing that you can like use to buy things with. But she goes, I really just care that they that they thought I was doing a good job, and so John, what John's talking about is really important, right? Because um, that's a a great way if you have a team out there, or if you're looking to join a team, or even just for your clients, understanding what they really want and need, and then like John said, then you give that to them. You give them what they actually want and need. I um, mean, everybody's different, so you get to sort of make that distinction between each interaction you have, and. Um, And so anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because I was like, mom, the money wasn't the number one thing. She was (laughs) like, nope. And it wasn't like they were throwing millions of dollars at her. It was she had a normal salary, but she goes, you know, what was real more important was recognition. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So if you know that about somebody, uh, then you can you can give them the recognition they deserve. That's Um, amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. Well, everyone out there who is listening, and, and I mean, think about the feeling you got from listening to John uh, uh during this this last hour. You probably felt great. Uh John is, is a happy, positive person. He he doesn't he deals with adversity. It's not he's not uh, immune to challenge. But um think about how he made you feel during this interview. Did you feel good? Did you feel power, empowered, um, maybe a bit resilient and and motivated? Well that's a feeling that you're getting from listening to John. Imagine what it might be like working with John or being one of John's clients right So this is a great opportunity to reach out and find people if it's not John like John to be hang out with and learn from but John is all his team is always growing so check them out the fine living group uh, again the fine living group.com, also the uh, the Leahy group.com we'll, we'll, we'll put these in the show notes so you can find John he just gave his email address please reach out to him. He would love to talk to you. John, it was a pleasure. Um, on behalf of our audience, we want to thank you for spending an hour with us today. This was incredible. What a great episode. And on behalf of John, we want to thank our audience for getting all the way to the end here. And we ask everyone just to do one thing. Number one, check out follow-up boss, or two things, I'm sorry. One, first, checkout follow-up boss, free 30-day trial. Second, Um, tell a friend about this episode. Just one other realtor that you know that could benefit, that needs to hear what John said today, send them a link to this episode. Uh, Easiest way to do that, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done is there. Um, Or you just pull up a podcast app, send them a link to our our channel. Um, So John, on behalf of everyone, thank you, thank you. And we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks, John.
1: Thank you.